and welcome to this week's Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. I'm Tash. I'm Becky. And I'm Emma. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are we all? Uh, <laughs> every week, Tash. every week we say it as if we haven't just had a chat for an hour. Well, we we care how we are, but our listeners probably don't want to hear us talk about life for an hour yeah <laughs> i tell you what though go on will smith slapped the shit out of chris oh, rock at the oscars i don't believe it <laughs> i don't think it's true i think it was staged and i stand by that i think it's that what if it was staged what is he going to gain from that publicity he's will fucking them. smith yeah but we you know, know who he is <laughs> it's not good publicity no but any attention's good attention. Is it? Yeah. Yes. See, because I'm getting like he's got some mental health issues going on that need addressing. Yeah, but hold on. Right. Who so hasn't, fine, <laughs> Right. The Will thing, though. Yeah, I get what you're saying in regards to him. But Chris did not react. And I don't think that's normal. You would react. You would step back. You would raise your hand to your face. You would lash back out i don't think that's a normal his reaction in my opinion was not normal where were his hands his hands were behind his back i don't know his hands being behind his back that doesn't surprise me because he was cringing as will was walking up to him as in like oh dear a bit like that that doesn't shock me it was the whole but then again have you ever been slapped by anyone I have, and I didn't retaliate. I just laid on the floor like a turtle on its back. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like normally when stuff like this happens, there's multiple views, isn't there, of like the situation, like from the camera angles is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. There's only seems to be one. Oh, there's a few. I've seen a couple more. Okay. You see it closer together and then from a different side. I haven't, I've only seen maybe one or two angles of it. And also, where the hell is fucking security? Because despite the fact that he's Will Smith, there would still be a lot of security at an event like the Oscars. That where did was shock security? me. No, nobody else react, nobody else reacted. Nobody yeah. went to go to him and be like, whoa, 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 what's going on? If, if, if we were at the bar and someone slapped one of our friends, like, we'd all be getting Larry. Absolutely untrue. I got the shit slapped out of me at the bar and nobody did fuck all. I would like to say I was not there on that occasion. Okay. And we all fucking know I would have done something yeah, if I was. I was also wasn't there. <laughs> But it didn't matter anyway. I can't get the image of you being on the floor like a little turtle with your little <laughs> hands in the air. <laughs> I, I just did not expect it at all. And uh yeah, I was a bit like Chris Rock, really. Just like awkwardly like, well, that just happened. Yeah. But I wouldn't have retaliated anyway. I'm not, that's just, I'm not into that. I think I would have cried. Mm. If I was Chris Rock, I would have cried. I think he was, he did look quite embarrassed, to be honest, and credit due to him, he did hold it together and remain very professional. Yeah. He did look awkward as fuck, though. That's why I think it was real. Mm, But I'm, it's, it's the aftermath that shocks me. 
why did he still receive an Oscar? It's it's the whole, you know. Well, it's too late because they make the they make the decisions beforehand. So the the well, yeah, the winners are already decided. It's too late. There's just I for me. There's too many. What? Why wasn't or why didn't something else happen for me? That's my issue. I there was no security. Yeah, I mean that was weird. Granted, Jada or Jade, whatever I know, Jada didn't. I feel like she, you'd jump up and be like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? I think like, she wanted him to do it. If you look at the clip, to begin with, he laughs at the joke and then he gets a look off her yeah, and he's he like, did. oh, shit. I just think, find it, I just find it very strange. No one came to stop Will doing it or to Chris's aid. And I just don't, that doesn't feel real to me. Yeah. No, that, I get that's that. Where I, that's where I think it falls apart. Yeah. Anyway, there's more there's more important things in the world. I mean, let's not hit people though. No, you never hit anybody. Yeah. I um I've got a little story of what happened to me just a couple, well, when I got in from work. It doesn't get one ups Chris Rock and Will Smith, but um <laughs> I didn't have a chance to tell you this before we started the podcast and you can cut this out if it's not funny. No, please tell us. I've got this uh, this man that he comes round once a month and he delivers us some frozen food. Did he slap you around the face? No. Because <laughs> that's bag out of I order. insulted his wife and he slapped me around the face. <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't. It didn't involve violence. He's a nice guy and... I don't know. I always feel obliged that I have to tidy my house before. I just don't know where this story <laughs> It's not is going. sexual and I didn't high five him. Because <laughs> <laughs> I knew he was coming around. Because they come into your house and they present you all the food. It's really awkward. What is this? But yeah, but they, they have to make sure that you're happy with it and, and that it's definitely what you ordered. They just go through the list with you. And, um, because they actually come into the house. I kind of feel that like I have to tidy up for them, to, for him to come around. So the day before, I just made sure, decluttered really, just made sure all that everything was away-ish. Yeah. And I thought, oh, look, I, to the <laughs> first impressions, pe- people think, oh, this, she's got her life together. Look at all these children dotted around, but look at the house, you know, brilliant. Anyway, he um, brings in my order. I, I opened the windows um, because it was hot today. So I opened all the windows when I got home. And he brought in my order and uh, he put it in on the dining table. And he turned, he looked behind me and he was like, oh, is that supposed to be there? And I turned what around and there was a fucking chicken, a live chicken in my sink, kitchen sink. <laughs> <laughs> what, like one of your my, chickens? One of my chickens. You know, chickens don't fly. It had flown in through the window and was like... That's mad. <laughs> Is that supposed to be there? <laughs> well, no, no, it's not. I name all my chickens and it was Karen that flew through the window, obviously. You've got a chicken called Karen. Yeah. <laughs> and she's... <laughs> yes, you fucking She's are. always in your face asking for the manager and she flew in through my well, fucking she's window. She's in the fucking kitchen sink, isn't she? Yeah. That's madness. That's very funny, but also... What was the link with... Will Smith and Chris Rock to you having a chicken in your sink? It was just a little story to tell. <laughs> not, not at all where I was expecting the story to go, to be honest. No. Anyway, who's going first this week, girls? It was me. Remember? It was yeah, me. It's Emma, I'd know this. Let's do this. But 
I had a little spooky experience this week that I was going to tell you about, and I was also just... Sorry, I'm being very bossy. I'm like, come on. (laughs) Well, I mean, to be fair, we need to get on, but... Okay, so my spooky thing. Uh, So after last week, my wardrobe collapsing while I was researching poltergeists and banging and furniture moving and whatnot... (laughs) This mm-hmm. week, something really, really strange happened. I was just walking through my front door. It's been a nice week, so our front door's been open all week. And my husband was vacuuming the car. And I felt a tug on my arm. And I thought, I've got my arm caught in the wire, you know, because he's plugged in in the kitchen to get the vacuum to the car kind of thing. So, or one of my kids has got hold of my arm and is pulling me, you know, like kids do. Yeah. And I turned around to look and nothing was pulling my arm. And my arm had been pulled behind my back and there was nothing there. And I was nowhere near the wire for the vacuum. So, yeah, that was a bit creepy. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I, uh, I just want to put it out there. Even though I do research a lot of spooky stuff and talk about spooky stuff, I do not want spooky stuff to happen to me. Just no, putting that out there. Stop. But yeah, that was really weird because I, I could feel it. It felt like one of my kids had hold of my arm and was pulling me, but there was nothing there. Yeah. So, spooky. Yeah, anyway, go on, Bex. Spooky. What's your family ghost story? Actually thinking about it, my, uh, you know our house, where well, you know what it is, the one that you've all been to? Yeah. Mm. My My old house before I moved where I am now. That house is an 18th century house that we built on the living room and our main suite bedroom. That's new. That's what we built on. But the rest of the house, the other two bedrooms and the kitchen, is the old house. Yeah. It nearly always happened to my husband when he was staying home alone or when I had gone out for the night. So it didn't really happen often. But also it happened during the day a lot when no one else was there. What it was is um my two older kids were quite a lot younger at the time and he'd be downstairs in the living room watching telly and he can hear them running around upstairs. And you know what kids are like? They're heavy-footed for the size of them. They're like little elephants running around and boom, 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 boom. You can really hear them running. And he could hear them running forwards and back, forwards and back So he went upstairs to tell them to, you know, to go back to sleep. And he went in their rooms and they were both sound asleep, but actually were asleep. They weren't just pretending because kids can't pretend to be asleep. Have you ever seen a kid pretend? No, they always end up, they always end up giggling, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And he thought, that's fucking weird. He went back downstairs and he heard it again. But it's too, because I said to him later on, I was like, it's not a mouse or a pine martin or something just in between the floorboards. Sometimes it was a country, very, very old house, so you do get the odd critters in the walls every now and again. And he said, no, it was big, and there's nothing else. We dug everything out. There's no invasion of critters at all. And it happened quite a few times. And I've never really... I never heard it, ever. We moved away for a couple of years, and then we came back and lived in the same house again. And I think it was the th- first night or the second one, we were all knackered from the move. But our youngest, our third baby, um, was only oh, what, six, how old was she? Eight, six, six months old when we moved. 
And uh, so she was waking up in the night still. But on this particular night, I was having trouble getting back to sleep. So just as a reminder, our bedroom is in the new part of the house. So I always left my door open in case the kids wanted to come to the to- go into our room to go to the toilet or need me for anything. And um, I could hear someone in the hallway walking around, and it's a bit of a creaky house. But I, it was definitely steps. I could hear someone walking around in the hallway. And I thought, oh, it's, I bet it's my son, and he's kind of getting a bit lost because it's a new house, and he's tired in the night. So I went out, I went out and there was no one there. But I could feel someone standing at our door. Oh, no, I don't like that someone's there that's why I went to go and I was really shocked looks like in the film like oh there's no one there and I looked and the kids were fast asleep and that was weird and that and I definitely heard someone outside and it wasn't just me being overtired because I couldn't get back to sleep I was wide awake yeah but what the weird thing is is um I mentioned to Noel a few a few days later that I'd heard it and he said oh that he'd, he'd heard it again but the next day after it happened, it was almost as if it didn't happen. I'd forgotten completely about it. Just like on films where you'd, you'd say, oh, if that happened to me, I'd never forget. Yeah. yeah. As if um, I wasn't supposed to remember it. <laughs> I don't know. That's weird. It is weird. And then, um, yeah, so that was that's all it was. I never saw anything or felt a bad presence. It's just at night at a certain time. Someone just wanders around the hallway upstairs, freaking me Lovely. out. By it. But they couldn't come in the new part. That was weird. It's almost as if they were blocked at the old part of the house. They couldn't come in the new bits that didn't exist. Yeah, that's kind of what we've said in previous podcasts, though, isn't mm. it? Yeah. They kind of stay at their, you know, in their time. Yeah. That's spooky. Sorry if that was really long-winded for the shortness of the story, but so there we are. That was the ghost story. So actually, that was uh, quite um, appropriate, because I'm going to be talking about... Oh, no, should we do the (gasps) shout-outs? Shout-outs. Yeah. (laughs) Shout-outs. We've got loads of (laughs) shout-outs. No, we haven't. We've got three. We've got three. Um, So I need to do a shout out to Debbie, who left us a lovely message on Facebook. So really glad you're enjoying it. Big up to Debbie. Debbie. Thank you. And then we got a fantastic review on Apple Podcasts. It was our first five-star review from America. And they actually left Thank a little, you. Yeah, they actually left a little comment just saying that they really love the podcast, which, you know, it, it really makes us smile. So that's Fantavia. I hope I've pronounced that properly. Um, so thanks so much for that, Fantavia, because it, it, it warms our little hearts. It does. It does indeed. Thank you so much. And the third shout out is to, and I'm, again, I'm really sorry if I'm butchering the pronunciation of your name, Erin. Do we Erin, think Erin? Isn't it Erin? Erin. Erin. <laughs> yeah. Who said she listens to us every week as she takes her daughter to chemo. So thanks so much for the lovely comment. And we're sending you all our love. And you are both in oh, our thoughts. Loads of, so much love. loads of love. All the healing vibes. And yeah. So. Um, I'd also like to do a couple of shout outs from Instagram. Um, oh, you've hidden these. To... You've hidden these from us. Yeah, they, you know, 
<laughs> it's just me and my people on Instagram. <laughs> um, no, shout out to Carly, who is our friend. Um, but she always comments and always like encourages us and sends uh, her love. So big up, Carly. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Carly. Also, my mum, because she always comments as well. And I feel like just because she's my mum, we shouldn't not shout her out. So yeah, absolutely 100%. Hi, and, uh, Thanks, Tasha's mum. Thank you. Thank, thanks for listening, mum. Yeah. And uh, mum, if we could stop mentioning the high five every time we <laughs> phone call, that would be great too. <laughs> Thank you. Is it a family trait? Does your mum also do it? <laughs> I... Do not need to know whether she does that. Um, but if she does, then good for her. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know? So yeah, on to you, Emma. Fantastic. Okay, so this week, I uh, God, we've already been talking for 25 minutes. We like talking, okay? I think we're going to be one of those podcasts that like the proper serious podcasters are going to hate because we just ramble. Well, the serious people might hate it. But I think the fun people won't. Some of that, though, was ghost story, which is on it was. subject. It was. And to be fair, I'm doing this for the Debbie, the Debbies and the Fantavias and the Erins and the Carlies. So Exactly. They like yeah. the rambling. And the Tasha's yeah, mum. The Tasha's mum. And the Tasha's sister, who I think listens as yes. well. Yes, she also has just started listening. So big up to her. Right. Shall I crack on with my story? Let's do this. Oh, dear. Uh, Okay. Right. So this week, I'm back on to Poltergeist. So I'm going to talk today about the South Shields Poltergeist. Now, have you heard of the South Shields Poltergeist? No. I've heard of the South Shields. Shields. Pardon? (laughs) We said the same thing at the same time. Yeah. We said, we said, no, we've heard of the place, but not the poltergeist. Okay, so it's one of the most recent, I think, that I've done. And it's also one of the most compelling due to the abundance of evidence. But also the fact that at no point the family wanted to be known. It's not like they were searching for fame or fortune because they literally wanted to remain anonymous, which kind of adds to the fact that maybe this did actually happen. What do you think? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Can't form an opinion yet. Okay. Yeah. We shall see. <laughs> Sorry, I sounded so shitty. You did. That, that told me. <laughs> I'm, I'm told. I shall continue my story so you can make the opinion. <laughs> In this story, because they want to remain uh, anonymous, all the names that I will be using are fake names. I'm using the names that were in the book that was written by uh, a paranormal investigator called Darren Ritson, who was actually the paranormal investigator that investigated this case. Okay? Okay. Yeah. There was another paranormal investigator with him, but again, he wanted to remain anonymous, so his name is pretty easily found, but I'm just going to respect the fact that he wanted to remain anonymous. Why are they being shady? I don't know. So I'm just going to move. Okay, uh, okay, so the names I'm using aren't the right names. Okay. So South Shields is a town near the coast in the northeast of England, but you two already knew that, didn't you? 
<laughs> we did. So this is all happening between 2005 to 2006. So it's pretty recent because usually I'm talking about something that's happened in the 70s and whatnot. Yeah. So for this family, it's family of three. So there's the mum, the dad and the little boy. So the mum's Marianne. The dad we're going to call Mark and the little boy we're going to call Robert. Okay. So as every poltergeist story, things happen gradually. At first, it's just little things. The odd bang or knock in the walls. Then a door would open or a tap would turn on. Just, you know, little things that you can kind of dismiss. Marianne and Mark were blaming each other. You know, like, why did you turn the tap on? And then... Mark would be like, well, I didn't turn the tap on. And she'd be like, well, you did. You must have forgotten it. You know, that kind of... Yeah. That kind of... It was the chicken. It was Karen. Clucking Karen. (laughs) And things like saying, oh, that's weird. I was sure I locked that door. Mm. They weren't too spooked at this point. One night, Marianne put her little three-year-old to bed and she turned on the baby monitor. uh, Well, to listen out for him, as you do. And she can suddenly hear him giggling at something. So she listens closely and she can hear amongst his giggles another voice whispering to him. And that, guys, is the reason I never had a baby monitor for my children. They are creepy. They are creepy. Never had one. So we're back to Marianne, right? So she can hear her little Robert giggling at something and something whispering to him. Let's put this logically Back in the day, those little baby monitors, they could sometimes, like if somebody down the road had the same brand or whatever, you could pick up on the same frequency. It was quite common, wasn't it, for it to pick up somebody else chatting? Yeah. So even though it worried her, she didn't bring it up. She didn't mention it. But then things start to escalate. Robert's toys start moving around by themselves. So he's got a rocking horse. Rocking horses are yeah. cr- creepy, right? I don't say that. I've got one on my landing. Oh, well, you're going to love this story. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got one so far away. Uh, I did have one, but it's gone. But um... <laughs> this afternoon, <laughs> where my height is Once Once I had this story, it was put outside. No, no, no. He has a rocking horse that lives in the corner of his bedroom, and it would just appear on the landing of the house. I'll behave. No. (laughs) The parents would put it back and go about their business, but the next time they passed the stairs, it would be back looking at them on the landing. Rocking horses are heavy as well, aren't they? Yeah. It depends on the rocking horse. I mean, yeah. Is it like a big one? I I don't know the size of the rocking horse. I don't know the dimensions of the rocking horse, Becky. (laughs) Well, your research isn't very detailed, then, is it? God, you always make me feel so shit, Bex. No, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. I know you are. Don't feel bad. No, I don't at all. I'm just really happy that I don't have a rocking horse. I feel really smug. Fuck you. Especially if you've got it on your landing, Tash. Yeah, it lives on the landing. There's no room for it anywhere else. You're going to just be staring at you. No, it faces the kids' room. Not tonight. Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember <laughs> Not why tonight, it faces. It Who knows? You'll walk by it and it'll go. <laughs> <laughs> so one time they went into Robert's room and all his toy cars were lined up. And at the head of the line was the rocking horse. That's weird, they both thought. But just put everything back and said no more about it. That's weird. That they're just putting it back and not saying anything. 
Yeah, but then look at Becky's story. She did. She obviously experienced something weird, and then the next day she was just like, "Meh, that happened." Yeah, true. Yeah. When I think about it, it doesn't make sense that I'd just be me the next day. But yeah. it doesn't seem like me. But then, but that's given you kind of a perception of every single time when we're like, "Why don't they move? Why don't they do this? Why don't they yeah. do that?" So little Robert one day says to his mum that he's got a new friend called Sammy that talks to him. Again, this freaks out his mum, but hey, kids have imaginary friends, right? Do you remember Heidi Wyrick and her imaginary friend? That that was... Yeah, Mr. Gordy. Mr. Gordy. So Mark and Marianne, they go out one night and Robert's uh, uncle comes to babysit. And as the couple arrive home, the uncle comes out of the house to meet them. So they're like, oh my God, this doesn't look good. You know, they start worrying that something's happened to Robert. He reassures them that Robert is absolutely fine, but something seriously weird happened and they have to come and see it. So they all go in the house and are horrified to see that the rocking horse is hanging off the attic hatch by its reins. Oh my God. That's the last straw for Mark. And he gets the rocking horse off the ceiling and takes it out to the garden shed and padlocks it away in there. Yeah. The next morning, Marianne goes downstairs and she hears loads of noise coming from the garden. And she looks out of the window and sees Mark chopping the rocking horse to pieces with something, I don't know, a hammer or a saw. And Hold on, Emma, sorry. Did you just say he was chopping it to pieces with a hammer? Or with a saw. You don't <laughs> chop with a saw. <laughs> an axe, okay. <laughs> he had an axe. <laughs> Hatchet, or I know what you meant, but when you said hammer or saw, I was like, no, that's not my image. I don't know. You could, but you could like hack something to pieces with a hammer if you hit it hard enough or break. Yeah, but you wouldn't. I mean, okay, fine. But it was probably an axe. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) maybe a chainsaw, (laughs) but just not on, just smacking it with it. I'm just chopping it. Are you scared? I am a little bit scared. I have got a rocking horse, so, you know. Have you got an attic hatch? Yes. <gasps> You're fucked. <laughs> Above the rocking horse. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I live in a brand new house. There's no part of guys here. This is not an old house, Tash. This house is a recent house. All right. Yeah. It's... The, 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 you know, you'd expect it to be all creepy and blah, blah, blah. No, this is a perfectly normal, modern house. Well, all I ask is if this is going to happen to me, please, can they just take the rocking horse to the dump? No. Because this is why it's on my landing, because it's where it's meant to be. <laughs> take it outside and chop it apart with a spoon. <laughs> Go on. Mark's chopping up the rocking horse with a hammer, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With an axe. So she goes out and she asks... What on earth are you doing? And he said that the rocking horse had been back on the landing when he got up and the shed was still locked. Right. Oh. I would have expected more of a reaction. Because I don't know if I believe it yet. Robert goes to stay with his grandparents for a few days and when Marion and Mark go to pick him up, the granddad asks them, so who's this Sammy that Robert keeps talking about? They both Mm. just say, oh, it's just an imaginary friend. All All kids have them, right? I didn't, though. Well, the granddad, he's a bit sceptical, and he says, well, no, not really. The family go home, but what they find when they get there is truly terrifying. Robert's bed is now in the middle of the room. 
They put it back, not really knowing what to say. So Mark says he'll go and make a cuppa, as Brits do in stressful times. Cup of tea. Marianne stays upstairs with Robert when she hears Mark shout, get the baby, we're leaving. As Mark had turned to put the kettle on, the kitchen chairs had stacked themselves silently on top of the table, reaching the ceiling. I'd die. Did he drop his teacup really dramatically, like, oh, (laughs) and then it fell to the floor? He hadn't even made the tea. This happened in the split second he turned around to put the kettle on. Oh my god. And then turned round again. And all the chairs and they were stacked really strangely. They weren't just like stacked like you would stack a chair normally. Yeah. yeah. They were stacked re- it looked like re- they shouldn't it shouldn't balance, but it did. Oh. Mm. But you'd make noise if you if someone did that on purpose, it'd take forever and it'd make a lot of noise. And he heard nothing and it was done yeah. in like a split second. That's unsettling. It is unsettling, Becky, yes. <laughs> I I imagine that they leave to the grandparents' house and tell them everything that's been going on because this is where the paranormal investigators get involved. The grandma tells her friend about her daughter's ghost and that lady yeah. just so happens to work with Darren Ritson. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. Grandma's so she connected. says, my friend's daughter's got a ghost. Are you interested? Kind of thing. And she puts them in touch. And old Darren was like, <laughs> that's right up my street. <laughs> Darren is obviously really interested and he starts emailing with the grandma and eventually he gets in touch with Marianne and says, would she like him to come over and look around? And she agrees instantly. Now, at this point, they've been, they've seen multiple psychic mediums. They've been to spiritualist church. Nothing's worked. Nothing's given them any peace. Nothing's really given them any answers so they're kind of at their wits end and the reason she agrees so quickly is also because things have taken a more sinister turn a toy rabbit was found staring down the stairs at them sat on a little child's plastic chair with a stanley knife between its paws oh that's weird Oh, God. They have no idea where this stanley knife came from because it wasn't theirs they didn't have a stanley knife and weird messages also started appearing on Robert's, like, Etch-a-Sketch. But it's not Aww. really an Etch-a-Sketch. It's like an easel, but one side's an Etch-a-Sketch. Posh. Are you with me? Yeah. Yeah. So words like die or just the letters C-U would be written on his Etch-a-Sketch. Cheery. Cheery. <laughs> C-U? All right, C- yeah, I get what you, you mean. C-U. Yeah. So the poltergeist can text. Oh, it gets it gets better. Just wait. So Darren had an, another paranormal investigator friend and asked him if he wanted to tag along to this potential poltergeist haunting. I say potential because obviously, as investigators, they always go in somewhat sceptical. Yeah. You know, is it a hoax or whatnot? Yeah. So his mate agrees and they both go and visit the family, not expecting much, but they were going to be agreeably surprised. So we're now summer of 2006, so the haunting's been going on for about six months now. Okay. Yeah. It's not every day, but something weird happens every other day or every three days. Yeah. Did they say anything about this happening with the previous owners? No, not to my knowledge. Yeah. And the other strange thing is usually with poltergeist, it's a teenage girl that's involved. 
and here's not the case at all. You know, there isn't um, there isn't a teenage girl. Is that yeah a normal thing, or is that just Hollywood? If you know what I mean. No, no, that's do they standard. go after teenage girls often? I think they're drawn to the energy. I think of raging hormones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, raging hormones. The investigators reassure the family that these things never last more than a few months, and that poltergeist will especially at this point now, be wearing itself down and it'll soon go away completely. Yeah. So they're basically saying, if this has been going on for six months, the it's going to be at the end now because it never, you know, they kind of wear themselves out, they run out of energy and then they just kind of disappear. Okay. But little did they know that it was only just getting started. They were shown around the house on that first day and they very soon realised that what they were dealing with was very real and not a hoax as previously expected. They walked into Robert's room and a little toy bolt from his tool set. So you know what I, do you know what I mean? The little toy yeah. tool benches yeah. kids get. So he's got these big plastic toy bolts. So a little toy bolt from his tool set flew across the room and hit Marianne very hard right on the bottom. Oh, cheeky. Yeah, and it, it hit her <laughs> so hard that she actually kind of winced. Oh, ooh. And no one knew where it'd come from because they all had kind of eyes on each other, especially the investigators. You know, they're keeping their eyes on Marianne and Mark to make sure they're not like... Yeah, setting things off and pushing yeah. buttons and stuff, pulling strings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was, not, there was none of that. And then another one flew across the room. Then a toy made its way across the shelf and fell into the bin and they all saw it. The investigators were excited at this activity and um, they sat on Robert's bed and then they felt something fall on the bed with them and it was a little rubber ball that had just appeared out of nowhere and it was very hot to touch. Now, do you remember, I think it was a Chateau de Fougere story where they said they had vortexes that were opening up in the floor and objects were actually coming through the floor and the walls and when they did, when they yeah. touched them, they were really hot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, the same thing with this. When objects are just like dropping from the ceiling out of nowhere, when they go to touch them, they're very hot. So we're kind of finding the same experience. Yeah. Yeah. They left all their contact details with the family saying that if they needed anything or if they were ever frightened just to call them and they would come over as they didn't live very far away. A few days later, Robert was playing in the lounge and Marianne could hear him speaking with someone. When asked, he said it was Sammy, but that he'd gone now. Oh no, he said, he's back now, and Marianne saw the cushion in the seat next to Robert take the shape of someone sitting on it. That'd freak me out so much, I hate that. Yeah, yeah. that's horrible. Well, she's frightened now. So she asked Robert to come into, with her to the kitchen. Robert asked his mum if she's scared of Sammy, and she said, well, yeah, a little bit. And Robert replied... Me too now. He started floating above my bed at night and staring oh, at me. Oh, fuck that for a laugh. Has, has he mentioned how old Sammy is? I know that he's only little. But... I've had various information. So it would be one entity taking on three different forms. Ah. He's seen a woman, a little girl, and an old man. Mm. All right. But they are probably one of the same entity mm, yeah mark goes upstairs at one point to find a massive chest of drawers that had been moved from robert's room into their bedroom without 
anyone hearing a thing. And this happened multiple times. This chest of drawers would move from one room to another room. No explanation. And nobody would hear it happen. And uh, even at one point, this chest of drawers fell onto Robert's bed while Robert was in his bed. Oh, fuck that. Luckily, the angle it fell, the bed kind of protected Robert and he wasn't hurt in any shape, way or form. Yeah. Good. But again, this is a massive chest of drawers. How is it being moved without anybody hearing anything? So one night, Marianne and Mark are sleeping and she's woken up by being hit in the head by something. So she sits up and she finds a teddy bear next to her. And then she was hit again by another teddy bear in the arm. She wakes Mark up and he instantly gets hit by a soft toy as well. So they kind of use their duvets to protect themselves from these projectile soft toys, only to feel that the duvet is now being tugged away from them. That's horrible. You think you're safe in bed. They're not allowed to take the duvet away. That's just that's, that's breaking muggy. rules, that. Yeah, everyone knows that. That happens twice, I think. I think at some point Darren actually stays the night and he's trying to sleep on the sofa and he ends up having a tug of war with the blanket as well. That There's something invisible trying to pull it off him. Nope, I don't like that. Yep. No. no. But so back to Mark and Marianne. So they're getting all these soft toys thrown at them. They're kind of trying to protect themselves with a duvet that's also getting tugged off them. And then out of nowhere, it just stops. I'd never sleep again. And then uh, Mark starts kind of going, oh, you know, he starts moaning in pain. My back's really burning. They turn the lights on and look at Mark's back and he's been scratched 13 times deeply and he's bleeding. So panicked, the couple ring the paranormal investigators to come over, and they do so they can document Mark's scratches. They set up some equipment around the hat, you know, paranormal investigator equipment, I don't know, cameras and stuff, to try and catch the activity. So on one occasion, multiple people witnessed a black mass about two metres tall walk from Robert's room to the bathroom And as it passed the landing, it stared right at them. And even though it didn't have any facial features, they felt it was definitely looking at them and it reeked of pure evil. Then started the text messages. Oh, behave. On the home phone line at first, the phone would ring and a robotic voice would repeat the words, hello, 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 over and over. Nope, nope. No. Back in 2006, you could actually text landlines and you would get the message through this like robotic voice. Do you remember being able to do that? No, that's mad. Yeah, I remember accidentally yeah. texting my home phone instead of my dad's mobile phone. We seem to have got it ages afterwards. The phone rang and my text message was read out to me through the phone. It's very strange. <laughs> so it was a thing. Yes. And at this point, Marianne, she's had enough and she shouted, just leave us alone, just go away. And then the phone rang again and the same robotic voice said, sorry, 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 over and over and over. Oh, that's making me feel sick. Poltergeist. He's British. Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm so awfully sorry. I didn't mean to startle you. I just wanted to say hello. Yes, 
It's my job. <laughs> it's my job. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just picturing this poor Balter guy going, I'm only trying to do my bloody job. Yeah, it's minimum wage. <laughs> <laughs> So they actually tracked the origin of the message to Mark's phone. So you're going to think, oh, you know, this is all down to Mark. So they asked him to put his phone on the table and they actually removed the battery and the SIM card. And yet she's, Marianne still got more text messages oh, from it. his phone. Mm. I was going to say, how can you explain that? Can't. Well, you can't, can yeah. you? It, there's... It can't, I, I mean, I don't know, because they, even if they could, I don't know, if you, can you program texts, like, to arrive at a later date? Can you program You probably a te- can now. I don't know if you could then. So we're talking 2006. Do you remember the stalker one that I did, um, where she pretended to be a crazy ex and she was texting? Oh, and she was programmed. Yeah. What, what year was that, though? That was more recent. That wasn't... Yeah, I'm not sure you could do that in 2006, and you certainly shouldn't be able to do it with no battery or SIM card, right? Yeah. Oh, no, definitely not. On another occasion, the toddler, uh, Robert, vanished. They couldn't find him anywhere. They completely panicked. And they found him eventually swaddled up in a blanket, but, like, extremely tightly so he couldn't move. And he was under a plastic table, you know, like the children's plastic tables. Yeah. And he was under there, and he seemed to be in some sort of a trance. I was going to say, why wasn't he crying? Yeah, his eyes were open, but he was, like, completely unresponsive. It was like he was asleep with his eyes open. Oh, dear. That's horrible. And that happened twice to little Robert. The second time they found him again, swaddled in a blanket, but in a closet. Bless him. In the same trance-like state. So this was one step too far for Marianne and she drove off to her parents' house with the baby, only to have her phone instantly blow up as she was already talking to Mark on the phone. So she's already on the phone to Mark. Yeah. But he's receiving a load of texts. Yeah. And she can hear she's getting texts. So clingy. <laughs> she's, so she's talking to Mark and she's saying, I hope it doesn't follow us. And she received a text saying something like, die, bitch. Oh, God. Do we know what it's that it, if it's after the baby or is it just after someone in the house? The only person it actually like physically attacks is Mark. All right. So she's just got a text saying "die bitch" and she says to Mark, "Oh God, I'm going to be too scared to sleep tonight." And then she gets another text saying, "I'm going to get you whilst you sleep." Oh my God. After this, the paranormal investigators to spend, began to spend a lot of time at the house. These are just some of the things multiple people saw. So they saw coins being thrown around, toys falling from the ceiling, disembodied voices coming from the toys. They saw blood in the sinks and the toilet, a coin going through a glass door without breaking the door. The kitchen at one point got completely trashed and knives started flying at people. Oh my God. And this is when they decided that it might be time to do a smudging, which I had to look up. So a smudging is an indigenous ceremony where they burn sacred plants to purify people. It's kind of like when people sage, isn't it? It's that kind of... Yeah, that kind of thing. So this actually seemed to work for a while until poor Marianne received just one text saying, I'm back. Oh, no. 
and they went through another week of the same kind of terrifying activity. And then just like that, it stopped. But it was too late. The family were too traumatized to stay and they moved out and they they never looked back. They stopped all contact with the investigators as they just wanted to forget everything. Yeah. I think especially Marianne she was really she was like traumatized for life she, she said every time I hear a noise I just worry that it's back to torture us yeah I suppose she's super sensitive to it isn't she just mm. anything she'd be like <gasps> yeah just like post-traumatic stress oh 100 mm. percent so that's the story of the South Shields poltergeist now I had a bit of an issue with timelines of all the different events because there was so much information out there. So if I didn't get things in the right order, I apologise. But what I can say is that everything that I just told you did happen Mm. or has been documented. Even if it didn't happen in that exact order, it did happen. The order sounded good to me. Well, it flowed. Yes. So the family still to this day wish to remain completely anonymous and it makes me think that it did in fact really happen. They've not had any money, any fame or anything from the story. There is apparently a lot of footage of the haunting that hasn't been made public as it would reveal their identity because they're Mm. on, they're obviously on the tapes. Um, And the paranormal investigator Darren Ritson is true to his word and he will never reveal who they are either. So... Some of the evidence has been sent to some very trustworthy, like, other paranormal investigators or parapsychologists or whatever they are to be studied. But that's about it. So it's not something you can easily find online. Because at the end of the day, okay, you could say they could, I don't know, rub out their faces or change their voices. But if you start messing with the footage... Yeah, exactly. What's to say that you're not you know photoshopping floating teddy bears and stuff i think you can can you it's got to be authentic if you're seeing the footage but yeah obviously exactly they're not game for that which is fair play to be fair yeah who can blame them if you enjoyed this story there's a book that has been written and it's called the south shields poltergeist one family's fight against an invisible intruder and it's written by darren w ritson so i think i might actually buy that book yeah apparently it's pretty uh, scary sounds intense but no that was really good i enjoyed that one didn't enjoy the uh rocking horse on the no no, that's creepy no that that will uh forever haunt me so anyway now that we're all really scared do you want to cheer us up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that I won't be doing. <laughs> no. Won't be cheering anyone up with this story. So I'll be staying in France again with this week's story. It's one that I remember from years ago and it's kind of stuck with me. You'll see why I didn't do it earlier. Yeah, it's not a fun one. I'm sorry. There's not going to be much fun murder that I'm going to be talking about. It doesn't really exist. So, <laughs> Right, so my story begins in a very small village called Villers-au-Tertre in northern France. On the 24th of July 2010, the Mirieux family were working in their garden of their newly renovated big red brick house. It looks like the British houses. It's that red brick. You don't get a lot of it in France. The house was an old farm building that they bought about three years prior. It was a hot summer's day, So Leonard Mirieux was out mowing the lawn 
and his wife Valerie was getting a different part of the garden ready to landscape and start planting. Valerie started digging near a tree. That particular summer was really hot and dry, so the ground was really, really hard. So after digging her spade in the ground a couple of times, she hit something in the floor, something hard. And she thought, oh, for God's sake, I've already hit something. But then she was like, ooh, maybe it's treasure. So she had a look. So she started digging out what was what she'd found in the floor. One of Valerie's friends, Sebastian, was also helping out at the house. And he could, saw Valerie had, had started digging something up. So he came over to help see what it was. They dug it out and it was a blue plastic bag quite large and it was not hard because I was thinking oh maybe it's something wrapped it like a chest wrapped up in plastic but it was soft so he opened the bag and inside it was another bag and then another and then as he opened the last bag he was hit in the face with the smell of death and rot he keeled back gagging and thought, oh God, it's probably the previous owner's pet dog that they'd left in the garden. Yeah. And he kind of came back and looked at it again, and he looked in the bag, and he saw what looked like a doll's face with its eyes missing. No. But it wasn't a doll. Oh no. What what was it? It was the remains of a child. (gasps) Or as well of a baby. It was oh a baby. It wasn't God. a child. I think I know this story. Mm, it's quite. It's quite well known in France. So meanwhile, the a prosecution lawyer Eric Veillon was also hit, enjoying his weekend about fifteen minutes away in a different town. He was feet up in the garden. He'd only just started his job three weeks earlier until he gets a phone call from the police that would cut his weekend short and start the largest and most haunting case of his career. So, Mr. Vaillant got to the scene just as the coroner was confirming the obvious that the child was in fact dead. Mm. And um, they actually found another bag and another baby just next to this one. So they were buried together. Jesus, who's killing babies? Police obviously questioned the Vaillant family and their friends that were there. They bought the old farmhouse from an old couple, Oscar and Louise Lampreur. Oscar had lived in the property until his death in 2007. His wife Louise had died 10 years prior to Oscar. They had five children. Mm-hmm. So get ready for some real French names. Jacqueline, Nicole, Guy, yeah. Marie-France and Dominique, children who are now adults. The police decided to call them all in one by one for questioning, starting with the people that lived closest. So as they were going down the line, the second to last daughter was called was Marie-France. And uh, her ex-husband, Patrick, happened to mention to police that his ex-sister-in-law, so Dominique, the last born, had actually hidden her second pregnancy from everyone in the family. And then was like, surprise, I was pregnant. Lol. Am I right in thinking she's quite a big lady? Yeah, she is. Yeah, I'll um, just go on. Yeah, yeah, that was basically it. So she told everyone, like, 
when she was a month from giving birth, that's when she told everyone that she was pregnant. And even her husband only found out when she was like six months pregnant. That's fucking weird. It is a bit. So they brought Dominique in for questioning. Dominique was a 46-year-old carer for the elderly. Mm-hmm. She was short round <laughs> with red hair. With that... Do you know that haircut that... Every single French person has, yeah? Yeah, when they're over... Oh, Emirates coming. Oh, shut, when they're over up. about 40. <laughs> I'm not dyeing my hair that burgundy red colour. Yeah, oh, it's just... It almost looks like... It makes their head look really square. It's really weird. The uh, Yeah, that I can't be bothered haircut. So that's what she's got. Yeah, and she is obese, pretty morbidly obese, actually. Detectives call her in for questioning. And through as they were getting through the line of questioning, the same as everyone else, they mentioned her pregnancy. And they asked why she felt she needed to hide her pregnancy with her second daughter after having a pretty normal pregnancy with her eldest. She looked very uncomfortable and said that she didn't know. And they asked her if there was any other pregnancies that she might have hidden. So she denied that. She's lying. And then she just broke down in tears and told the detectives what had actually happened. So after her second pregnancy, she took... The birth control pills, you get about three months worth when you leave hospital, don't you? They give you a prescription. Yeah. Well, she took those. Uh, She never went back to refill her prescription. And then after that, she just wasn't on any birth control. And she was on it with the regular, with the old husband. Go on. And, uh, oi, oi. Oi, oi. healthy marriage there. And ended up, she, yeah, so just after three... Three months postpartum, she fell pregnant again. Oh, fuck that. I know. Uh, And then also, there's barely... There's not two years between her eldest daughters. She just got pregnant again the year after. It was when the other one was, I think, was about six months old. I mean, saying that, I think there's only like 18 months between my husband and his younger brother. So, I don't know. Oh, really? I don't know how my mother-in-law coped with that. (laughs) If you're not on any birth control and you're having regular sex with your husband, it it probably might happen again. Might not, but you can't be surprised when it does. <laughs> she can get pregnant easily. I don't understand why she thinks that just suddenly changed. The inevitable happened and she fell pregnant again really, really quickly and hid it again from her husband. She worked all the way through her pregnancy. But, like, bravo, because... I was a whale, and also sciatica, and morning sickness, and I was just, I couldn't bend over. You know, I mean, look at how you were with your firstborn, Tash. You were so ill ill for the whole two-thirds. The whole pregnancy, from about six weeks onwards. Well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, all the way to the end, really, wasn't it? Literally, the day, day, till the day I gave birth, I was, like, sick. You're the only person I know that's lost... The amount of weight that you did when you were pregnant. I was so skinny, not skinny, but so skinny for me when I came out of hospital. Like, best day ever. So, she worked all the way through her pregnancy. In December 1989, in her bedroom at home, Dominique started getting contractions. She lay down in her bed and gave birth to the baby. But also, 
ooh, like juices. Think of how much but juice how comes are we out of it. Clearing that up. Yeah, this is my question. The mattress. There's a quite a few questions. Where's her husband? I'll explain later, but he's um he's one of them husbands that come in from work. He's he's not abusive or anything, but he comes in from work, sits in front of the telly, and gets drunk and falls asleep. Okay. Or goes out with his friends. Okay. So he's not there. He's one of them. So he's not present yeah. enough to notice. He's not getting covered in the uh, am- amniotic fluid. That's a fucker. Have you ever spilled a drink on your mattress it takes years to no, dry because i don't drink in the bed because no i've spilled water in my bed before you've never you don't take a glass of water up to you no only if i'm and unwell. then you think i can totally drink this glass of water while i'm lying down no but you can't because that's not how gravity works i take it in a bottle so i have like a bottle oh see the amount of times that noel has spilled water in the bed because he drinks right. in the night and misses his mouth completely i've just caught um my eldest daughter with drinking glasses in her room and i was like since when do we do that but you know preteen and all that they do what they want don't they yeah i don't have drinks upstairs mm. well do you do it bex like you convince yourself that even though you're lying down you can still drink this glass of water without spilling yeah. it and then obviously my mouth do, will block the water in. When do you drink in. though? Like in the middle of yeah. the night? Oh, I don't wake up thirsty. That's never happened. No, Emma, though, I've I've discovered this thing that if you sit up before you drink, <laughs> you don't spill it. You don't spill it. Yeah. But I have done what you do a million times. I know how gravity works, but not at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I always think this is really weird. How we feed babies laying down. Yeah, and then we can't drink properly without coughing when we're older. We can't drink lying down. We're torturing them. That's what we're doing, torturing the poor babies. Mm, yeah. Poor babies. Not as much as Dominique, though, so let's no. find out what Not she's doing. Not as much doing. as Dominique. Yeah. So yeah. she's labouring alone yeah, in her bedroom. Yeah, she's labouring in the bedroom. She might have put a towel down or something. I'm hoping <laughs> she did. It comes up with some of the details that come out later. Um. They don't mention that the house is dirty or anything, but there's a couple of things that you'll see a bit later in the story that I'm just thinking, the house must have been a ship tip for you to not know it is shit. Um, anyway, she gives birth in the bed. Juices everywhere. She... Placenta. Placenta, yeah. She instantly suffocates the newborn baby <gasps> in the sheets. Oh my god. That's not how you're supposed to do it. No. She pulls out her placenta. Like that. Oh, no. Oh, that's made me feel ill. So she put the baby and the placenta in a plastic bag. And she hid it in her closet next to her bed. Right. Then I assume she must have changed the sheets and cleaned herself up. Well, one would have thought so. And then just went on life with life as normal for two days that's not normal behavior so the baby is in the closet for two days in a plastic bag then she takes the baby up to the attic and just left it there she's not okay is she no detectives asked her if she'd done this more than once there was a pause and then she sighed and said yes 
as if she was relieved I to finally admit it to someone and get some this off her chest because the guilt had been living with her. She's unwell, though, isn't it she? Do, I can't well. accept that she's not in some way unwell. Yeah. Um. Oh, definitely. There must be some sort of mental illness in there. You don't just do this. So she was just finally relieved to get this off her chest. She said in... So that was in 1989. In 1991, at the beginning of 1991, the same thing happens again. Falls pregnant, doesn't tell anyone, kills baby, hides body in the attic. Also, that's two babies in the attic. That must sting. Yeah, that must be a they're, pretty bad I know that they're in a plastic bag, but they're still rotting up there. Bless yeah. them. Then it came to them moving house. They wanted to move. So she said in the weeks before the move, she went up to the attic quite regularly to see the bodies. So she went and spent time with them every now and again, which also screams mental health problems to me. So that her husband wouldn't come across the bodies when in the move, she went and picked them up. On the, at the end of that same year, so after the second baby, at the end of that year, that's when they wanted to move. So she went and got the bodies and took them to her parents' house where these bodies had been found and she put them in the eaves of the roof. Occasionally when she was at her parents' house, she'd go up and see them. And then after the death of her father in 1997, so yeah, I did get the dates wrong earlier. It was 1997 that... The father died, not 2007. Because they, okay. the new people in the house, they bought the house in 2000. After the death of her father in 1997, she went to go and retrieve the bodies, but they had disappeared. She had no idea where they'd gone until she put two and two together when detectives had called her about two babies that had been buried in their garden. So mm. she has no idea where, who buried them. So I think it was her dad. That's the only explanation that I could get. Two dead babies suffocated by their own mother. The detectives looked at Mm -hmm. each other, both thinking the same thing. Did she stop there? In the very small village of where this happened, the shocking news spread like wildfire. Many people who still lived there knew the family, and they just couldn't believe it. I can't even imagine what's going through her husband's mind and her two surviving daughters that were then 21 and 23 and were mothers themselves. Dominique's husband, another cool, really French name, Pierre-Marie, told detectives that he only found out about the second pregnancy when Dominique was six or seven months along, but she managed to keep it a secret because of her size. He didn't believe that she could have hidden a full-term pregnancy and refused to believe that Dominique had anything to do with any of this. Pierre-Marie was a typical gruff country Frenchman, quite old school. He had left school when he was 15, and he's a roofer by trade. He lived a pretty simple life. So getting grilled by detectives who who didn't believe him that he didn't, that he knew nothing about these babies, just made him completely overwhelmed and uncomfortable. You know, it's just not mm. something that he he's finding it... Well, it's not easy to cope with, but it's a lot harder from him. He's having trouble understanding what's going on and the seriousness of it all. 
So on Tuesday the 27th of July, they arrest Pierre-Marie as well. Police get a warrant and search Dominique and Pierre's home. They search throughout the whole downstairs part of the house and then in the garage. In the garage, they found not one, but five more bodies of babies hidden in the old heater part of the garage. They also found a sixth body in the trunk at the bottom of their bed upstairs. Dominique said that she was traumatized by the birth of her first child. She said that while she was pushing the baby out, the baby wasn't coming out properly. And apparently a midwife had shouted at her and said that because she is so obese that the baby is trapped by all the fat and couldn't come out. I mean, I'm, I can believe that French midwives, I'm not going to lie. They're a bit funny with weight, aren't they? They're very abrupt. With the doctors and the midwives, they're like, oh, you're putting on a lot. Yeah. Well, when I was pregnant with my first, I went to see the anaesthetist and I said, I don't want an epidural. Like, and she turned around and said to me, I was young, I was 21. She turned around and said to me, you won't get a badge. You're not, you like, oh, you won't be a hero for not having an epidural. Like, I just, like, but they were quite abrupt with me and uh, quite... In France, so everyone just gets an epidural. It's just a thing, isn't it? Yeah, they don't even... It's yeah. not even, do you want one? It's, you're having one. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, we'll book your epidural in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and just, they're, I mean, they're very, like, medical. Like, the healthcare is second to none. I'm not dissing it. Like, it is, you know, amazing. The aftercare that I had when I had both my children was amazing. But they're quite abrupt and quite like they're funny about weight, pregnant or not, aren't they? They're very um yeah, they are yeah. really funny about weight. I put on not a lot, and then I put on four key well, quite a few kilos in a month. And she was like, uh, "Explain." She just <laughs> didn't didn't understand. I was like, "Well, I am pregnant, and I'm eating a load of shit." <laughs> So, yeah, they don't like it. Yeah, I do think they? mine was more she was worried about that um, diabetes, uh, pregnancy diabetes thing that you can have, but uh, it wasn't that. I was just a pig. But yeah, they're a little bit judgy. I can imagine this was actually true. I don't think she's making that up at all. I think the midwife probably was horrible to her about her weight. Yeah. And she was a very, very shy person and wasn't happy in her body and how she looked. And just really, I mean, I don't know how you couldn't take that to heart, but she really took that to heart when that happened. Yeah. And it really traumatised her. Oh, bless her heart. And then when she fell pregnant with her second child so quickly after the first one, it was still not even a year after the first child, um, she just didn't want to go through all that again, all the doctor's appointments every month or every week, depending on everything. So she kept it a secret for as long as possible so that doctors wouldn't call her fat. She said that, oh, I think I said this earlier, Pierre-Marie was an alcoholic. He would come back from work, sit in front of the teddy, get drunk, and then go to bed. Which explains yeah. why he never noticed that she was pregnant, because he was passed out in the next room, downstairs, or out with his friends. He was a very sociable man who... Just not with his just wife. Just not with his wife. I mean, he he loves his wife. Just, I don't know, he just uh, likes to drink different and likes to be out. Folks. Yeah. They do seem like quite opposites when they're talking and that. He's quite not outgoing and loud. He's just very sociable, whereas she's just super, super, super shy. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, he was passed out in the next room when she was giving birth to some of these babies. That's mad. Yeah. So uh, Are you there, Emma? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. You're so quiet. You okay? Yeah, it's just sad. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Um the so the third baby was the one that was buried in uh, that was in the attic, so that's the third baby. The first one that she killed. And it was a little boy. The fourth baby, also a boy, was born around March time in the, right at the end of 1991. So again, the same year as what they moved. So she got pregnant twice in the same year. So she oh, gave birth yeah. to the other one right at the beginning of 1991 or the end of 1990. So she's not sure. And then this one, I don't know, it was in March 1991. So yeah, the, the third one must have been in 1990 and this was in 1991. I think I had conflicting dates, either that or I've really got confused. When she was giving birth to this one, Dominique was actually in hospital because she'd had a big epileptic fit. She was sharing a room with three sick elderly patients and she went to their room's toilet and gave birth in there. Oh, behave. No. Mm-hmm. What? And they didn't... They would have done tests and they would have picked up when she was pregnant, surely. I don't know. No, she said that she... Whenever you go to the doctors or the hospital, as a woman... They ask you. birthing age, is there any chance you could be pregnant? No matter what you go for, they ask that question. Yeah, she would have said no, though. But surely blood tests would flag that up. Well, no, she was there for this epileptic fit, so they were just treating that. I don't think they were thinking about pregnant... Anyway, anyway, they missed it. I mean, I'm no doctor, but that's mad. Mm. And also... giving birth quietly in the middle of the night in a hospital. I mean, kudos to her. The whole fucking town heard me. Mm. She gave birth in the toilet of the room. Once she was finished, she cleaned up the toilet, put the body in the bag, hid the bag in her stuff, and left the hospital the next day. And the hospital staff were none the wiser. The mess, though, of giving birth. The mess, the pain, the noises. And also the baby would have cried when it came out. Surely. Well, not not necessarily. It's all very baffling, isn't it? Yeah. If it's not in, it's not instant, is it? It takes them a few seconds to start crying. So if she's yeah. suffocating them, they're not yeah. getting a chance, are they? No. This is where... The one in the hospital, though, especially, I'm just thinking... Normally, when they when you talk about, you know, when you get off murder for insanity, they look at whether you tried to hide your crime, and she is hiding it. She's putting it in the book. She didn't tell. She had the perfect chance to say, "Look, I've had this baby," or hide the baby somewhere in the hospital that it could be yeah. found. There's no reason that for the for her to kill the babies. Give it to someone who wants it. Exactly. Yeah. Give it to someone who wants it and fucking put have the coil put in for fuck's sake. Yeah. It makes me so cross because there are couples out there who try and try and try and try and can't and then she's just popping them out and murdering them. Yeah, murdering them. Yeah. I just am so baffled by so many aspects of this though because her and her husband are obviously sexually active because she keeps getting pregnant. Is she not having sex whilst pregnant? Because wouldn't he feel that her stomach feels different? She's a rather large no, lady. I think she is pretty large, but still, he, I think if he was so pissed all the time and half, you know, beer yeah, goggles, maybe. I don't think. I just don't. He doesn't seem to be the husband that 
would pick up on stuff. Yeah. Well, clearly not. He just doesn't seem like the type of guy that really um, took notice of stuff like that. The rest of the babies were born at home in the bedroom or her bathroom. All eight of the infants were born between the date of 1989 and 2000. When police asked about what the husband thought about all the random bags and the the smell that must have been in the house, he said that he didn't think of anything about of the bags at the bottom of the bed. He just assumed they were his wife's clothes that she was giving away. Uh, and then for the bad smell, he thought it was from the dogs that slept, one of his three dogs that slept in the bedroom with them, or his own smelly feet. God, he's got some smelly feet if he yeah. thought they smelt like a rotting corpse. Yeah, and also, why would you go into a room and smell your feet if you weren't in there? Do you know what I mean? If your feet were smelly, that smell would follow you around. And also, if they were that smelly, go and wash them. If it still smells, yeah. it's not your yeah. feet. Yeah. But then maybe because they were, it was constantly about, you get used to smells, don't you? Uh-huh. I've seen documentaries about these people and they're not the, they're not the sharpest knives in the drawer either, are they, Bex, really? No, um, I think they both have rather low IQ. Yeah. And apparently Dominique was a very, very frustrating person to interview because she'd change her story depending on the person that was asking the questions she'd just give the answers that she thought that person wanted yeah even if she was contradicting herself so she'd kind of reply say certain things to her lawyer and then different things to the police because she was just trying to i don't know she was just trying to tell everybody what they wanted to hear exactly yeah so a little bit of background on her her mother apparently didn't want her last, well, her last three children, but especially the past, the last two children. When she got pregnant with Marie-France, so the second to last, she apparently threw herself off chairs and opened the door and a bump and everything to try and abort the baby herself. Oh my God. She was depressed all over, all through her, her fourth pregnancy. And then five years later, she fell pregnant with Dominique and again was super depressed but didn't try and abort the baby herself. She apparently fed Dominique all the time to keep her quiet when she was a baby, even putting butter in her bottle. Yeah. That's not healthy. No. She made her daughter overweight from a very young age and her mother apparently screamed at, you know, used to scream at the kids. She used to tell her, especially her last two daughters, just have two kids. Don't have any more. Any more than that is a, is is just a mistake. I think she just traumatised an already very shy Dominique into, um, it just, I think anything like that, she just really takes to heart and can't get past. Yeah. Yeah, so she had a, Dominique had a few psych evaluations to make sure she could stand trial. The people that spoke to her said that she, they think that she most likely suffered like a traumatic childhood, possibly some abuse in there. Yeah. So detectives asked her, um, Dominique about her family life and how she, her childhood and how she was cheated as a child. 
They asked her if her father had abused her, if her mother had abused her, and she completely denied it at first. Then she went on to admit that he had abused her as a child. He had sexually abused her as well. And they had continued a incestuous relationship into adulthood. And she wasn't even sure if her husband, Pierre-Marie, was the father of her two girls. That it could be the dad, her dad, that was the father. Yeah, that's what I was talking about earlier. It wasn't sure that it was her her husband, the dad of all the babies, that she was still shagging her dad. Yeah. Can't stress this enough. Don't shag your dad. Yeah, don't, don't shag, shag your dad, people. And if you do, use condom. And I just don't, babes. Don't do it. It's rank. Yeah, <laughs> and they didn't have even have the excuse of like the separate separated at birth or anything, did they? They were just well. If it started when she was a kid, it's abuse, isn't it? And if oh, a hundred percent. Then but... I mean, even as an adult, if he had a hold over her. It probably still wasn't consensual. Yeah. Um, yeah. When she was older. But didn't they do DNA testing on the babies? Um, the babies are all um, her husband's. Okay. That so was not... done. Yeah. But she was worried that they weren't and that they, they would have been yeah. inbred. Okay. Yeah, that's what she's uh, saying to them. The detectives, and that's why she... Another part of the reason why she wanted to get rid of the babies, because she thought that they'd be... um, Well, the father would be inbred babies. So this... This is why Dominique said that she thinks that... That's why her dad had buried the babies in the garden. He'd put two and two together, which is a real long shot. Mm. But obviously he knew that it was something to do with one of his children because he just buried them quietly in the garden he didn't get their police involved so this news sent a shockwave throughout the whole family dominique's brothers and sisters were also upset that their beloved father was a pedophile and had abused their baby sister now comes to a really stupid part of the french system it was 2010 when the baby was discovered and experts that had looked at the body said that the last baby was born in 2000-ish. And at that time, the statute of limitations, is that what we say? Status of limitations? The, um, where you only have a certain amount of time to take someone to court over something. Yeah. You get it a lot in sexual abuse um, cases. Yeah. Yeah. It was ten years. For so she was over it. No, it for all of them apart from the last one. Right, is is ten years when when they discovered the bodies. So the prosecution, they were kind of arguing what the French law was. It was unclear whether it's ten years from the date where the bodies were found, or ten years from when the child was killed. And also, what the fuck? Ten years. Does that mean that you can commit any crime and if you don't get caught for 10 years, then it, you, it's all it's good It's changed since. This was at the time. This was at the time. And I think it's only for kids. But yeah, this was at the time it's been changed now. Okay. But how ridiculous is that? 10 years is 10 years, but 10 years is only 10. It's 10 years. It can easily go by. Yeah. All you do is move away to a different country for 10 years. But I've been... I left France six years ago nearly. Like, yeah. goes well quick, doesn't it? 
So yeah. all those dead bodies that are hidden in your garden, we just yes. need another. We just need a, another four years, Tash, and you're in the clear. Stop telling yeah. everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so while they were arguing about that, she was arrested in 2010 and kept in jail. She didn't make bail. So for two years she was in jail. Then after two years, there was like a um, an appeal made so that she could while there was no proof or while they were still arguing about French law that she could be released and just be on house arrest. So she comes out of prison and lives with her husband in an apartment. He didn't leave her. He lived with his wife that had killed eight of his children in an apartment. She went and visited her three grandchildren regularly and just lived a normal life. And weren't her daughters like super supportive super supportive of her as well like they didn't even fall out or was it or was it just one of her daughters i can't remember well hers her daughters are there and they're supporting her i imagine it was um quite difficult but they were seeing the side of well she was abused from a young age by her dad and he'd really fucked her up in her head obviously yeah they were st- they were on her side and let her see their children so they must have been okay with it. Mm. So, the prosecution decided to declare the births of the eight babies and gave them names. He wanted to show everyone that they were people, they were babies, and they they were people that had been killed. They weren't just baby one, two, three, through to eight. Yeah. So, that's what they did, and they named the babies Xavier, Hubert, Fleur, Ingrid, Alphonse, Mariette, Blondine, and Judith. Judith, the last one. So humanizing these little bo- little bodies. It does. I mean, yeah. it, the, the whole story yeah. is sad, but now you've just reeled off a list of names. It's just even, it's ten times worse. I love the name Fleur. Yeah. yeah it's pretty. Although I have always thought you, you, if you call your child something yeah. like Fleur, you, there's kind of an expectation that they've got to turn out to be very dainty and very pretty because nobody wants 10 ton Fleur pounding about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, or whether when they call their child Bo or Bella, yeah, they better be beautiful. Yeah. So we're nearly in the end. So the trial, finally it worked, the prosecution. So they put it so that they could go after her for all eight babies. It finally came to trial on the 25th of June, 2015. A large part of the defence was hanging on the fact that she had been abused by her father, thus traumatising her. The lawyer that worked for the prosecution had actually become a little bit suspicious of Dominique with the fact that she is impossible to question because, she, like I say, she just agrees with everything. So he's now wondering, did she just agree with the abuse story because it's a good defense? Or is it true? Mm. So he questioned it. When, when he got her on the stand, he started questioning her. And she didn't say anything. No comment. And he got really frustrated with her, with her because she was, again, going there, back, there, back, contradicting herself. Her own lawyer, Dominique's lawyer, questioned her as well. And he said, basically, you know, like, 
so he's trying to convince the jury that this happened. So he said, can you swear on your girl's life that your dad abused you? And she sighed and said, actually, no, he didn't. So it was a lie. She didn't, he didn't abuse her at all. So she'd lied to everyone. She'd lied to her husband. She'd lied to her girls who were visibly, apparently stunned when she came out with this. And that was basically her whole defense. So that all fell down. They also, they got the husband on the sand and basically just had a go at him saying, not blaming it on him, but saying, you know, you, you weren't, you didn't do any of this physically, but morally, you just treated your wife as woman in the kitchen and calling her fatty do this, fatty do that. And when then while he got un- unbelievably drunk all the time and just wasn't there. On the 2nd of July 2015, Dominic was found guilty and sentenced to nine years in prison on eight counts of infanticide. Is that a word yeah. in English? It is, isn't it? I think of killing so. her children. This was the worst case of infanticide in Europe to date. There's not many when, when there's that many babies. And she got out early for good behaviour after three fucking years. Oh, God, really? Yeah. On In August 2012, she was released. She's not allowed to go back to that village anymore. And she was released on the condition that she continued to receive psychological and, like, care and counselling on it. Yeah. And that was it. She got three years. So two years, what she'd been staying... In, in prison while they were building the case and then three years and then she got out. So she's already out. Eight babies. Yeah, I knew they hadn't kept her in for a long time and yeah, yeah. I can't get my head around it at all. In the documentaries that I've seen, you know, she's still with her husband and it's just like the typical very, you know, kind of rural French old couple. And yeah. Yeah. And it's just... Yeah. Weird. It it's it's just weird. Do you not think that compulsive liars act the same way? They c- change you- the story all the time to depending on whoever's. I mean, she's not very good at it, but she also also could just be a really badly good liar and just made herself out to be. How can you kill eight babies and then be let out after three years? I don't know. I don't know. No. I think France why? Why failed on this around? one. Well, why didn't she get life in prison? Well, that's what they wanted to go for. That's what the prosecution was going for, life without the possibility of parole. Yeah. I think they decided that she's not a danger to the public, she was danger to the babies that she gave both birth to herself. And she was in her 50s when she got out of prison, so she's not going to be having any babies anytime soon. So I think that's why she got let out. I just really think it's uh, not justice at all. I didn't even get a year per per child. No, it no, it's terrible. I watched a documentary about the prosecution and how they were talking about. It. He says it's so frustrating because you think you're getting somewhere, and then she's like, "Oh no, it's not that." Just yeah. you don't know what she's what's true, what's not true. But even that, surely she would have got more time for perverting the courts of justice. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's no there's no logic to how Well I've 
they're probably taking into account that she's not very bright and she's obviously yeah. mentally ill and yeah. She had a lot of uh, evaluations though and they didn't find much. Is this no, because um, I did the Stephen the Stephen Pladel case and you were like, Oh, we can talk about dead babies, I've got one. <laughs> oh yeah, you opened the door. I opened the door to the the darkness. <laughs> yeah, and I thought I'll do a maybe a like you say, a survival story next week and bring the mood up a bit because uh yeah, yeah two two weeks running with a couple of, you know, baby murders. We'll try and bring up Eight it's just not a couple, it's eight. Yeah, I mean, last last week's story and this week's story. We need to get back to some giggles. We do. That was quite depressing, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's fucking horrendous. But, you know, it's part of the true crime, isn't it? It's not, it's not a it happy is subject. It's not all shits and giggles, guys. But all right, should we wrap it yeah. up? Yeah. I was trying to think. There's not a joke that I can tell to bring up the mood, but no. No, there is no one. jokes. Oh, I've got told a, a joke by my six-year-old today. Do you want to hear it? Oh, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> It'll lighten the mood. This is my six-year-old. <laughs> she goes, why when Elsa, so Elsa from uh, Frozen. Frozen. Yeah. Why did... Elsa, when she got a sore throat and a cough, why didn't she go to the doctors? I don't know. Why didn't she go to the why doctors? Why didn't she? Because the cold never bothered her anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Did she make that up? <laughs> no, I no, I don't think so. I think somebody's That's told it to her. That's quite good, though. Yeah, she's That's quite good, actually. Better than what I thought. <laughs> um, would you like a fun fact to end the evening with? Yeah, go on. Yeah. So I was watching a documentary about elephants. And okay. I, <laughs> and I learned that elephants' teats are at the front of their bodies. So like... Well, like us. Yeah, like us, Becky. Elephant tits. <laughs> but like mammals, you think of their boob, like their boobs, their teats being further down their body, don't you? Or on their bellies, or like a cow's udders are down... By the hind legs, but yeah. elephants are essentially under their armpits. That is very weird. And I was amazed by that fact. So I am sharing it. <laughs> oh my God. I've just Googled, literally Googled elephant tips. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, isn't it? And they I actually have like... a pair of boobs, like yeah, almost human shaped boobs yeah. at the front of their fucking when body. i was googling it after seeing this animals like the elephant's boobs i then obviously googled it and was like down a elephant boob wormhole wormhole <laughs> and it literally <laughs> says it said on one like website much like much like humans like breasts they form like teardrop shapes i was like yeah so there's actual cleavage yeah. no wonder bra needed yeah, yeah, they have cleavage, but they breastfeed for up to six years. Fuck me. Yeah, <laughs> mad, isn't it? Basically, until they get pregnant again. I know. Oh my god. Yeah, there you go. Well, eh? if anyone's gonna like murder me, can you please delete my history because I don't really want the detective scene 
murdering murder eight babies and elephant tits. <laughs> They'd be like, "This girl deserves it." Let's let's not let's not look into this one. Yeah. No, I just googled it. Please, people, go and Google elephant <laughs> boobs. I think everybody everybody needs it's to mad, see it. Isn't it. I couldn't isn't even bring myself mad? to. T- Type the word tits. I don't like tits. I put boobs. <laughs> elephant boobs. Well, when I googled it, I put elephant breasts. <laughs> and then yeah, oh, you're oh, so did posh. You, you went all um, medical, did you? I, oh yeah, because I didn't know what to put. <laughs> I must admit, when I typed elephant boobs, I was like, "Is this going to just show me some humongous tits?" It didn't though. I mean, it did, but on elephants. It did, but actual elephant ones. Elephants. Yeah, it's mad, yeah. though, isn't it? That is mad. Yeah, I've got there you a, fu- go. <laughs> a fun, not so fun animal fact. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> this is going to be a new section, isn't it? Murder, ghosts, and fun animal facts. <laughs> animal facts. Yeah, murder, ghosts, <laughs> animal facts. <laughs> well, I've got two, actually. You know pandas? Oh, <laughs> I do know I d- pandas. I do know pandas, yes. They're, they're cute the, and everything, but they're a bit useless, well, yeah. aren't they? They're a well, bit they're useless. they're a bit stupid, aren't they? Yeah, they yeah. only eat bamboo. I mean, come on, babes. And they, they can't even... They don't have sex. They don't know how to have sex with each other, or they can't be asked what? to have sex with each other. That Yeah, that's why they're, like, oh. endangered, because they're really difficult to... Maybe. What? Go on, no. I was, no, I was going to be gross. It's fine. Let's move <laughs> no, on. you've got to say it now. Oh. Maybe, like, female pandas are just so over having sex and not coming. They're like, fuck this shit, I ain't doing it no more. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I think it's just mainly because pandas are a bit useless. I mean, what does a panda do? It just kind of rolls around and falls yeah, over. They actually do, don't they? They're just they, they do. stupid. Yeah. Anyway, a, gr- a group of pandas, you know, you have the, the names of animals in a group like you've got a herd or a, a murder yeah. of crows and a group of pandas is called an embarrassment and no it's not <laughs> it is it is that's what we are that's funny a we should just call ourselves the three pandas then <laughs> uh and the next one i won't go into detail but i think everybody should google how hyenas uh give birth Oh no, don't. It is so, you've done this to us before and it was horrible. <laughs> no, the last time she did it, wasn't it that turtle's penis with, like having sex with a shoe? <laughs> I don't know. I've seen that one I'm sure you said, you sent me a video once of a turtle trying to have sex with a shoe and it had a huge penis. <laughs> and I could be noise, wrong, but I thought it was you. The noise turtles make. They make oh, it was the noise. A... That's what it was. Are they like? Eh! <laughs> yeah, yeah. They proper go for it, don't they? Bessie? Yeah, I'm sure the one that you sent. It must have been with a shoe. I swear there was a shoe involved. <laughs> right. So we wrap that up then. Yeah. So uh, thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> oh, should we plug our socials? Should we plug plug oh, our yeah. socials? Yeah, we need to plug, especially uh, Instagram, so people can DM me. So yep. that is uh, SCSK underscore podcast. That is SCSK underscore podcast. My name is Tash. You can send me a DM. Uh, and that's the same uh, for TikTok and Twitter. 
So that's easy. And Facebook, Spine Chillers and Serial Killers Podcast. You'll find us. We're there. And Becky deals with all the emails. Do you want to give the address? Yeah. So again, any hometown murders, ghost stories, or just a random story that you want to tell us, please send them in to chillers.killers.pod at gmail.com. Perfect. We look forward to hearing from you guys. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Yep, and please don't forget to lend us some sugar. I am your neighbour. Rate it. Re-rate it. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Rated like a polarized pizza. Please. All right, then. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Don't kill people. And keep it weird. Bye. Bye.